0: Hey guys, Michelle here with some big news. We've often said that the Modern Lady podcast is meant to feel like just us friends, sitting around the kitchen table, chatting about all the things. Well, how about this summer, we ditch the microphones and cut out the middleman. Lindsay and I are so excited to announce that we will be hosting a Cultivating Your Family Culture conference this summer at the St. Anthony Spirituality Center in Marathon, Wisconsin, and we really want to see you there. We've taken some of our favorite episodes and topics and have created a weekend that will motivate you to create a family culture that will have a generational impact. But this time, we're digging deeper and hope you'll join us in person for the chat. Join us June 9th to 11th, 2023 for a weekend filled with engaging conversation, a lot of laughter, and inspiration whatever season of life you're in. Check out the St. Anthony Spirituality Center website at www.sarcenter.com or our website www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com for registration information and all the details. And now, on to the show. American poet Henry Wadsworth Longworth Yeah, that's his name. Once noted that, quote,
1: it's Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, just so you know. What did
0: I say? Henry
1: Wadsworth Longsworth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I sure. thought. Yeah. Okay. I like, am pretty you're sure, sure I see... said that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh,
1: his, why would his that parents wrong.
0: do that? Yeah. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 136. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and today we are talking about Sundays as a holy day of rest. American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow once noted that, quote, Sunday is the golden clasp that binds together the volume of the week, end quote. Even in an increasingly secular society, Sunday still has a quality about it that makes it stand out and stand alone. But a Sunday consciousness is more than just a day off. To Sunday well is deeply ingrained in our humanity and it is imperative to the wellness of our souls.
1: But first, the best way that you can support the Modern Lady podcast is by giving us a rating and review on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Your reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts, can really help others who might be interested find our podcast too. Your comments mean the world to us.
0: This week's shout-out goes to Rahel Epp, who left us a 5-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts from Germany, Mm. and said, quote, Michelle and Lindsay, I'm so happy you are back. Happy 2023, and thank you for this refreshing, well-balanced, and inspiring new episode. I'm so excited to hear what topics you will dive into this year. It's always a pleasure to listen to you. Much love from Germany," end quote. Well, hello to you, Rahel, all the way in Germany. Wow, thank you so much for your message and your review. It's such a pleasure to be able to connect with you from across the pond, and so wonderful to know that we have such like-minded friends like you all over the world. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Well, Michelle,
1: as you know, I just left my kids for two whole nights and it was the first time ever that I've done that since becoming a mother in 2006. Now, my hostess was beyond gracious, going out of her way to make myself and the other ladies feel totally at home. And I wanted to make sure that I was a good guest. And I probably should have looked into this before I went away, but it's better late than never. So here are some etiquette tips for overnight guests. I found a great list of tips on the website CamilleStyles.com and while some of them seem a bit obvious like leave the pets at home and bring a small hostess gift, I love that she stipulated that one should get everyone's permission before posting photos to social media. This was something that I was keenly aware of. I didn't take photos in my friend's house without her permission and then I asked her permission again before I sent them to my family to show them where I was staying. There were five ladies present, and everyone was very considerate when taking and posting photos. Now, the next tip is take care of their home. Use coasters, make the bed, wipe down the bathroom counter after doing your nighttime routine. In fact, Camille Stiles recommends leaving the bathroom cleaner than you found it, and this is a great tip. Be considerate of their time. Have a discussion about the schedule beforehand, and be sure to arrive on time and leave at the time that was discussed. And the final tip from this website is to send a handwritten thank you note after you return home. I'm adding that to my own to-do list right now. Now, a few things my friends did which really helped everyone enjoy the weekend was, well, we brought all the food. The meals were planned by us guests, and all of the food was purchased and prepared by the guests so that our hostess could relax too. And we had a spa day planned, and one of my friends bought matching flip-flops for all of us to wear that day, a cute souvenir from our time away. We also divvied up chores and gave the house a quick clean before leaving. Now, one final point on helping out with the chores. I found an article on apartmenttherapy.com about being a good guest, and they pointed out that it is good etiquette to ask how the host likes certain chores done. Do they hand wash those wine glasses or do they put them in the dishwasher? Do you bring wet towels right to the laundry room or do you hang them up? This shows that you are serious about helping, but it gives the host a polite way to share how they'd prefer those things done. Remember this, a good host hostess wants you to feel at home, but regardless of their efforts, it is not your house. And if you want to be invited back, be conscious of your surroundings at all times. Be thoughtful, helpful, kind, and show just how thankful you are that they opened up their
0: home to you. Yeah, those are great tips. And it is interesting because when you think of like tips in reference to hospitality, it is often from the host or hostess perspective Mm -hmm. but you don't often think about the etiquette of being a guest so i do love that and overnight guests no Mm -hmm. less so i do love like the tips about how to help clean and tidy and take care of their home i think that shows a lot of consideration Mm -hmm. and awareness of what they've given you and what they've done for you Uh, it reminded me of when you stay in an airbnb Mm -hmm. And they, in lieu of the host actually being there, they often give you like a whole book of instructions Mm -hmm. on how to close out the house. And a lot of those things are mentioned as well. And they do often have very specific ways of how they would like things to be done. So tips to the guests, like the tips directed towards hosts and hostesses, all of it essentially means just please be considerate. Of one another yeah. <laughs> yeah oh there was one I forgot too about bathrooms oh. um and, Ooh, and that's it suggested important. right
1: very important <laughs> it suggested that you empty your own bathroom garbage just so the host doesn't have to you know look at what you put in the garbage and so I think just discreetly maybe like tying up the bag and you know taking it to the garage or or perhaps maybe like just putting that bag in the kitchen garbage but just emptying your own garbage I thought that was a great reminder as well
0: A Sunday well spent brings a week of content, so the popular saying goes. But details. We need details. What does a Sunday well spent truly look like? And does it really matter how we view it? We say yes, it does. Right, Lindsay?
1: Yeah, we do. And... This was intensive, wasn't it Michelle, doing all of this yeah. research? There's actually mm-hmm. so much to say on this topic. Now, we've been wanting to do an episode on this for a very long time. And mm-hmm. honestly, as I was doing my research, I'm like this couldn't be the better time for me because we've really dropped the ball um in this mm. area. There was so much we used to do as a family and we've just been coasting on our Sundays yeah. and everything I've just learned is that you really shouldn't coast on Sundays yeah. that it's like this <laughs> active inactivity that we'll get into later. Um, But I do want to say, too, like so much of the research took me back to one of my favorite, if not my favorite episode we ever did. And I think you would probably mm-hmm. agree, right? Our episode on leisure. Yes. Um, We talked a lot about Sunday rest in that episode. But I think this one, we're going really deep into the, like, the theological history and those reasons for Sunday rest today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how it's we're kind of like well not kind of we are specifically made for that mm-hmm. for that rest right and so it's it is good to think on it and to learn about it and reflect on it in our own lives because it does seem to be so intrinsic <laughs> to our humanity right but yeah like you our family as well like we're kind of like we try mm-hmm. to do sundays it is I don't know if we often view it this way as being one of the more countercultural things Mm -hmm. that we could do is just to observe Sundays as this special set apart day and recognize why and do it with intention. Uh, It doesn't seem like it could be so revolutionary (laughs) or rebellious against the culture, but it really is. And I think that's why it's so hard to do. So I think we should first. Address the Jewish tradition
1: of the Sabbath and the Christian tradition of the Lord's Day, and I mean, this mm-hmm. is this itself. <laughs> we could talk for oh, hours on. So, so right?
0: true, yes. <laughs> and and we
1: aren't Jewish, so there's there's no. only so much I can explain about this, or that you and I can talk about. Um, and we hope we're doing honor to that, and that we're getting that history correct. Um, but you know, there's probably a lot we're gonna miss on that. And then that being said, on the Christian side, there are Christian denominations that observe the Lord's Day as the the Sabbath on Saturday. So we're mm-hmm. not speaking for all the Christians either. So right. we're just, we're going to do our best here. Yeah. <laughs> now, a lot of the information that I'm going to be sharing, I got from a Lighthouse media CD that we have had for years in our house and we've listened to so many times. Now, that being said, in preparation for this episode, I went to find the CD and realized we don't mm-hmm. have a CD player anymore. So. <laughs> So I couldn't actually listen to it to write my notes. So I did. I was able to purchase it as an MP3 just by Googling Mm. it. There are Catholic websites where you can purchase it. Um, It was under $5. So. The name of this Lighthouse Media CD is Keep Holy the Sabbath, and it's by Dr. Timothy Gray. And like I said, I've listened to it countless times, and it really did inform my family about this when we really made some changes years ago. But again, Mm -hmm. I confess we've let these things slide, so it was the perfect time to
0: Mm -hmm. re-listen.
1: Now, to go into the idea of the Jewish Sabbath and where that came from. Okay, so my understanding is that this all started with Moses's demand that Pharaoh let his people go. Now, yes, this is a demand that they be obviously released from slavery, um, Mm -hmm. which is nonstop labor, right? They were working to death. Um, But it's not just that. This is what's so fascinating about this demand that the people be let go. It was that, that they can go and worship God, that they have rest. Now, Pharaoh responded initially by making them work harder. He wanted Mm. to keep the Jews busy, so busy that they didn't have time to hear the word of God. Does this sound like today, Mm -hmm. right? We don't have Pharaoh Mm -hmm. ruling us, but the culture seems to be almost intent on keeping us so busy that we don't have time to hear the word of God. So now let's look at a few definitions just to clear those up. So the Hebrew word that was used by both Pharaoh and Moses is avod or abodah. And this means to work, okay? But interestingly, mm. this blows my mind that word work also means worship. It means hmm. service to God, but it also means agricultural work and labor. Those things are interchangeable, but in totally different ways. So Pharaoh uses it because he wants them to keep working for him, using that word avodah, avad. But Moses wants them to keep working. For God, through worship, divine work, the work of the people, which is liturgy, which is the Greek word liturgia, um, mm. which means the work of the people. So I just love that this word that means all these different types of work also then translates into liturgia, which is liturgy, right? Which is the work mm. we put in as the laity and, and our pastoral teams and our priests put in towards the liturgy. It is work, it, it, but it's a, it is a work for God. So then the plagues start to happen, right? We know all about Mm -hmm. the plagues. And they come on a seven-day schedule. um, And there is a period of rest, a day of rest between each plague hammering Egypt, hammering the Pharaoh's people. So why does God give the gift of the Sabbath to Israel? It is a gift God gives them. Now, the commandment, right, to keep holy the Sabbath. This is in the top three of the Ten Commandments, Mm -hmm. meaning it's a very important one. But he says keep holy. This is is an action word. It means to be be on guard to to guard it Um, now from dr tim gray he says quote you are to remember on the sabbath now and this is the first calling of the sabbath you're to remember to hear the word of god to study and learn to remember i'm going to talk a lot about this idea of remembering this is the formula for forming the people of god you take them out of the world for the day and remind them every seven days who god is and what he has done for them When we lose our memory, we lose our identity, end quote. There's so much he even said in that. So this, again, Mm. is this understanding that God gifted the Sabbath to the Jews, to the people, the Israelites, um, to remember their story, where they came from, his role in everything. Um, now, he they talk about how because they had been in captivity for, I think, 400 years, um, they weren't able to observe the Sabbath and all that time. They weren't able to take that time to, to study his word and to, um, to contemplate God. And so that is why one of the explanations of why they wandered in the desert for 40 years, that that was mm. all of the missed Sabbaths together to really Ooh. drive home God's role in their lives, what he's done for them and what life is like without God. Now, Dr. Tim Gray brings up a phrase that was coined by Rabbi Abraham Heschel. He says it like this, that the Sabbath is a sign between you and me throughout the generations so that you know that it is I, the Lord, who sanctifies you. If that all makes sense, right? That it is a sign throughout the generations that it is the Lord that sanctifies you and I. This is the exodus. It's, it's um, to not keep the Sabbath is to not know who God is. A forgetfulness, which causes us to lose our identity as we lose our knowledge of God. That's what Exodus is. That we still can be there in the desert, right? When we aren't keeping that remembrance, then we lose our identity and we're lost in the desert. No different than, than those Jews, those early Jews.
0: Mm, that is so, so interesting. And the parallels between like the, the Jewish people in slavery, Mm -hmm. in Egypt at that time and how much it means, like the meaning behind it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I know I was listening to a talk by Father Mike Schmitz about why we need to rest from work on Sundays. And he talks Mm -hmm. about Exodus too. Mm -hmm. And in addition to what you're saying about how we keep the Sabbath or the Jewish people kept the Sabbath to remind them of who God is in their Mm -hmm. lives, Mm -hmm. um, Father Mike also says that You know, remembering the Sabbath reminded the Jews of who they are. That's right. Because in their captivity and in their slavery in Egypt, like you said, you you don't get many days off work Mm -hmm. when you're a slave. Right. Yep. But the Lord set them free. They were no longer slaves. So it was like his way of saying, so live freedom. Mm -hmm. take a rest take a break you're not the slaves anymore you don't have to work on the sabbath you get to rest because you are not slaves right and so it was like a changing of the jewish people their identity as well like they were being called into a new identity and that as well was gifted to them by the lord in in this gift of the sabbath Yes. And now this takes effort. This takes, so he
1: gifts it to them, but then us as the people, right? We need to keep that day holy. We need to do that active work. So just to go back to something that Dr. Tim Gray said, he said, you know, this is an effort we need to make to let go of self for one day a week. Now, this takes vigilant guarding. It needs walls around it. I love that imagery. That is the one thing that stuck out at me from the very first time I heard that CD. He says the walls, just like around the walls around the Jewish temple, right? You can still see mm. the one wall there right now. Those weren't the walls of the temple. Those were the walls that surrounded the temple. These walls keep out the profane from the sacred. They remind us that we're entering a holy space and the walls give you that sense of the sacred. We need to put a wall around that day, around that time, around our family. Now, a sanctuary in time, going back to that phrase by Rabbi Abraham Heschel, which is so beautiful, a sanctuary in time. We're carving out this holy, sacred space in time within our week. It does need these barriers and protection because work and busyness, they keep attempting to sneak in, to break in, to climb Mm. over your walls, right? We rest in contemplation, just like what God was asking the early Jews to do. Contemplation, the God who made the world and who made you. So we have to keep holy the Sabbath. Guard it. You're vigilant. Be intentional. This was commanded of the Jews, but it's also still commanded of you and I.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I like the the language that is used in that right that it is now we're getting back into our favorite uh, battle motif Mm -hmm. Yes, (laughs) our our favorite we love um because it it's so much of it like we were saying at the beginning is struggle um and it's struggle against a culture that has lost its sense of sunday and lost its remembrance. We have forgotten collectively, right, of what this means and why it's so important. So that all makes a lot of sense, right? And we should Mm -hmm. pause as
1: Christians to really understand the Jewish roots of the Sabbath. Um, But for us, we celebrate it on Sunday. We celebrate it as something called the Lord's Day. And that's Mm -hmm. what it was called by the end of the New Testament, the Lord's Day. It's a new day of rest. Christians now aren't just remembering the deliverance of the Jews, which I think is really important as part of our story from slavery and their exile. But now we're celebrating. We're celebrating the resurrection every single Sunday, right? A mini Mm -hmm. Easter. We are an Easter people. Um, Jesus' death and resurrection on the first day is this new creation. It's a new covenant, a new exodus celebrated in the Eucharist. And this is the new center of our identity as Christians so this happened gradually over the first um seven years after christ's crucifixion i have a couple different dates that i've seen according to maria von trapp in her book that we will reference so many times in this episode which is called <laughs> yes. around the year with the von trapp family um she mentions that it was the council of jerusalem in the year 50 so that's mm-hmm. only 17 years after christ's crucifixion when mm-hmm. the apostles decided that the sabbath need not be observed anymore um, this is really interesting because I kept reading sources that were talking about how the apostles, specifically um, St. Paul, who wasn't one of the original 12, but St. Paul was still preaching to the Jews in the temple on, mm-hmm. the sab- on their Sabbath, on Saturdays. He was going in and teaching about Jesus. Um, but then on Sundays, they would get up before sunrise, right, because it was illegal and you still mm-hmm. had to work in the Roman world. And they would worship and sing and praise God and celebrate the Eucharist before sunrise, but then the rest of sundays if they could was meant preaching to the gentiles and to the pagans the pagans who were celebrating sunday as their sun mm. god day um so this started according to her around the year 50 with this council of jerusalem and then according to wikipedia the
0: other the other great <laughs> the other source. Definitive source. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: um they mention that it was 115 a.d which is one of the earliest mentions of it being sunday and this is also backed up around the writings of saint irenaeus um around the year 110 so we're we're in that first you know 100 years following christ's death and resurrection um and but then it was not until the council of laodicea I believe, uh, in the 4th century AD when the non-observance of the Sabbath was officially approved and replaced with Sunday following emperor constantine's laws in 321 ad um it was only when emperor constantine made rome and you know that whole area christian mm-hmm. that they could start to have a legal day off because before then like i said they had to celebrate the liturgy before sunrise and still work all day so it was constantine that made it legal that they could have a sunday day of rest
0: hmm yeah I think the history and the significance of everything is so fascinating, mm-hmm. right? And I just try to picture myself in the place of those early Christians who were Jewish yes. <laughs> still. Yes. Like up until what we we're saying, like around like starting in the maybe 100, yeah. but up until 400 years later, like there would have been this tension for 400 years yeah, um, about should we or shouldn't we. Yeah. And so this move then we see from the early Christians, like moving the Sabbath from the Saturday observance to the Lord's Day on Sunday. Mm -hmm. It really was, I could see them struggling with this idea of like Jesus's parable of like the old wineskins and pouring Mm -hmm. new wine into old wineskins and the fulfillment of a new covenant, a new kingdom that's coming. And they were living that out in in real time that must have been really hard and it it harkens all the way back so even this like observance of sunday we're we're living it now but it's actually one of the most ancient truths from the very beginning from genesis right we yeah. see mention of this one day that is set apart and that it means Yes, rest, but so much more than rest. So if you'll allow a little bit of timeline jumping here, (laughs) do you think we can go from Exodus up to the early church back to Genesis for a sec? (laughs) Because, yeah, I learned so much about this first initial covenant and it's making so much more sense now in the context of Exodus and um, St. Paul and all that we see in the New Testament. So, like, when we see the creation of the world in six days and then on the seventh day God rested, um, Father Mike Schmitz, again, in the, his video, he was talking about that number seven. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Jewish people, it's also, it's called Sheva or Shiva. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it means covenant. It's not just the number before mm-hmm. or the number after six. Yeah, <laughs> It means covenant. So you would say when you're making a covenant with someone else you would seven yourself to that person wow right wow. so seven right <laughs> so it's not just a number it's an action yeah so taking all this into account when God invites man in Genesis and to rest with him mm-hmm. on the Sabbath, he's inviting man to not be like the animals, mm-hmm. but to live in a new way to live his divine life on the seventh day. He's inviting us into a new covenant that is different and separate from his relationship with the rest of creation. So when we keep the Sabbath, even from the beginning, we see that we're, rem- we're to be reminded of and living this new covenant relationship with God. But what I see in this pattern moving through the Old Testament into the new and how we start seeing why the Sabbath was on Saturday in the Jewish faith and they started transitioning it into Sunday and the Lord's day, it is yet another new covenant. Mm-hmm. So yes, the Sabbath and Sunday and the Lord's day This special day is a constant calling from God into um, deeper and deeper and more intimate covenant and relationship with him. As he reveals himself through the ages, he invites us into a deeper covenant with him. And I think that is such a mind-blowing big picture view of Sunday. Yes.
1: So much so, right, that as Catholics, we are in communion. Like we literally partake of his body on Sundays. You couldn't be any more in a covenantal relationship um, with God himself, right, than than at Sunday Mass. Um, So... It's hard to believe then that anyone would not observe Sundays, that any government mm-hmm. would not allow for Sundays, that why on earth after millennia would we take Sundays away from people, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just so mind-blowing that that we that people could live in a world where there is no opportunity to rest from work and to rest in creation and, and say it is good. But there is a section in Maria Von Trapp's book that just blew you and I away, and that section is called A Land Without Sundays hmm. So she was quoting that title comes from a book written by her friends, only known in the book as Baron and Baroness Kay, uh, mm-hmm. who went to Russia. Right. And they wrote about it in their book that they entitled The Land Without a Sunday. And a quote from that book by Baron and Baroness Kay <laughs> quoted in Maria von Trapp's book <laughs> says the atmosphere was one of constant rush and drive. Okay, and I was like, whoa. The atmosphere mm. in this community, which they're talking about Russia, um, mm-hmm. is one of constant rush and drive. They continued, finally, we confessed to each other that what we were missing most was not a well-cooked meal or a hot bath, but a quiet, peaceful Sunday with church bells ringing and people resting after prayer. So as many of you know, Maria Von Trapp is the Maria Von Trapp from The Sound yes. of Music. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people don't know she was a real person and that this was a real mm. story. And that they were a devoutly Catholic family, and that they did leave Austria during the onset of World War II. They moved to the United States and lived in Vermont. Their lodge is still there that you can go and stay in mm. uh, with your family. And so this was at the height, right? Like so, we're talking World War II, just the, another round of utter human devastation. Um, and then it goes into communism, right? So mm-hmm. that's what they're talking about here. This this place, this land without Sundays, all work. No rest, communism.
0: Yes. And I was so interested in that quote, in that whole chapter. I mean, mm-hmm. the entire book of Maria von Trapp's book is fascinating, but that is the chapter that sticks in my head. Mm-hmm. Um and so I was curious. First of all, I can't find Baron and Baroness K's book anywhere. Mm-hmm. I did try to look. I'm like, I'd love to read their book. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't find it. So if anyone else knows where it is, I'd love to read it. Mm-hmm. But then I was really curious about Russia in particular and where that all kind of got started. Um, and so... <laughs> Follow me for a little <laughs> Russian history course. <laughs> but it was interesting to note that up until the Russian Revolution, that was in 1917, Russia followed the same calendar as everyone else. Mm-hmm. So they included observing Sundays as the day of rest. It was the first day of the week. Um, and in fact, week in general in Russian can be called Nadel, Nadelia, I think. Mm-hmm. They called, they used that word interchangeably for like the first day of the week. And weak in general. It can be translated to mean no work. Mm. Right? So that's what they called it. They did have an observance. And then in 1918, after the Russian Revolution, one of the first things the Bolsheviks did was to change the calendar from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian ch- uh, calendar. Mm. So they this did adhere them to the rest of the world at the time that used the Gregorian calendar too, but they did it on purpose in a deliberate move to distance themselves in Russia from the Russian Orthodox Church, Mm -hmm. which still to this day uses the Julian calendar. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that was, but they still had the seven day week with Sundays being set apart. So it wasn't until 1929 that the weeks were completely reformed in Russia under Stalin. And he introduced a five-day week where people worked for four days and then rested on the fifth. Um, This meant that there were now 72 weeks in their year. And the problem was that it was a rolling week, essentially. So people were divided into groups, and that would be marked on the calendars by uh, the colors yellow, pink, green, red, and purple. And they offset each other so that the factories and the businesses, everything could operate without stopping mm, year round. Yeah. So people still rested on the fifth day, but there was no common day off for the people. Yes. And for families, it wasn't, right? And... I was just going to say it yeah. wasn't super popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, yeah, often like a husband and a wife would be in different groups. Yeah. Right. So it would split families apart for sure. And that this actually continued until the year 1940. That's when the USSR returned to a seven-day week. Mm -hmm. So in reading that history, I wondered, actually, if the von Trapp's friends who traveled to Russia and saw such an appalling difference in the lack of Sundays, they must have traveled between those years of 1929 and 1940. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would have actually witnessed, not just like, A seven day week, as we understand it, where there is a maybe a dissociation with Sunday rest, like Sunday is just like every other day, but a literal no Sunday, Mm There (laughs) was literally no seventh day. Um, And it just it really struck me. I think this is why it's it sticks in my mind so much is that with no common days off, it's such a clear tool for dividing the people and isolating them and creating disunity. Where in direct contrast, God's plan for Sundays traditionally highlights worship in community, life right. in community, so that no matter where the week takes you, you were never many days away from common worship and common yes. living, yeah. right? Um, but the the kind of interesting point is that we do more and more live in a culture that seems to look more like the disunity of the Russian calendar in the early 1900s than we do with um, more in line with what God had ever intended.
1: Oh, my goodness. There's so much to unpack. And it goes right back to Pharaoh, right? Wanting to keep the people busy. This is what the Bolsheviks would have wanted. Keep the people busy and working because heaven forbid a family get together and have a chance to reflect on what is good, what is true, what is beautiful. And their their hearts go back to God. And so keep them working, keep them separated. Um, This is one of the beautiful things about the Catholic Church. And I can only speak for them because we are Catholic. But, you know. (laughs) Pope Leo Thirteenth, in his encyclical, Rerum Novarum, spoke of Sunday rest as a worker's right, which the state must guarantee. The church has actively worked throughout the, these changes in, in the Western mm. world um, over the last 150 years or so, ever since the Industrial Revolution. And you and I talked about this in our episode, I think, on the dignity of labor. Yeah. Um of the church's active efforts to inform and to manipulate governments into ensuring that all of their workers had this day of rest. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm now reading from an apostolic letter written by Pope St. John Paul II. Um, he wrote it in 1998 called Dies Domine, the Day of the Lord. And he says, quote, When through the centuries she, referring to the church, we refer to the church as she, has made laws concerning Sunday rest, the church has had in mind, above all, the work of servants and workers. This is, you know, it's been part of the heart of the church to protect this time of its workers so that they can have this time to, to remember, to contemplate God, to enjoy rest. And I just love that the church has been so working so hard to enforce that, that, that opportunity to come together as people like what you were saying. Okay. And then for the rest of the world, right? Like I remember, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember Michelle, because I think you probably would have only been two or three, but I remember when um, the malls and everything started to be open on Sundays and Mm -hmm. there was a, there was a large outcry. I remember everyone talking about it. People were very angry um, when Mm -hmm. stores started to be open on Sundays, but my whole childhood, everything was closed on Sundays. So then not just, we're not just talking about Russia here. We're talking about the rest of the world going, yeah, forget about Sundays. Let's keep Mm -hmm. calm Mm worse going let's keep people busy right um now back again to this this lighthouse media cd dr tim gray says quote what we have now is the weekend and the weekend is a pale pale reflection of the great sabbath rest that the jews knew and the great day of celebration that the early christians knew as the lord's day now we're so Mm -hmm. busy during the weekend we go back to work in order to rest and Mm -hmm. then yeah and then mm -hmm. pope saint john paul he says again in Dias Domine, until quite recently, it was easier in traditionally Christian countries to keep Sunday holy because it was an almost universal practice. And because even in the organization of civil society, Sunday rest was considered a fixed part of the work schedule. And then just to jump forward a little bit, he says the custom of the weekend has become more widespread. A weekly period of respite spent perhaps far from home and often involving participation in cultural political and sporting activities which are usually held on free days this social and cultural phenomenon is by no means without its positive aspects there you know there are good parts mm-hmm. to that while representing true values it can contribute to people's development and to the advancement of the life of society as a whole All of this responds not only to the need for rest, but also to the need for celebration, which is inherent in our humanity. Unfortunately, when Sunday loses its fundamental meaning and becomes merely part of the weekend, it can happen that people stay locked within a horizon so limited that they can no longer see heaven.
0: Mm, Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Who would have
1: thought I love I love that our modern popes, you know, can weigh mm-hmm. in and share their thoughts on something like the weekend and and yeah. all of the right? It's <laughs> I just love that such wisdom. And as we're it's just this continuation of these people weighing in on this, um, you know, over the over the thousands of years. So I just love that he had that to say.
0: hmm It does go with what you were talking about before. I think it was Dr. Tim Gray you were saying, um, calling us we need to build a fence around it. Mm-hmm. Right. That it is constantly something that is uh, threatened from losing its meaning. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I appreciate what the Pope, Pope John Paul II, is saying in a recognition of perhaps not with bad things. Yes. <laughs> right. We're not. A, a lot of the times it's not a deliberate, I think on the part of the people will say, yeah, it's not necessarily a deliberate stepping away, maybe an outright Proclamation of rejection of God and his principles. It's the busyness of the culture. It is something intentional that we have to be aware of. And I like that he really sums up the modern perspective and the modern dilemma of the Sunday becoming just the weekend. And if it is just the weekend, then it is just another. Day that you don't have to go to the office. So what else can you catch up on from the rest of life? And can you fit it in on a Sunday? Yes, yes. Okay. So I think it's becoming clear that Sundays are important, right? That
1: mm-hmm. I loved his imagery, too of like the horizon. So you have all these things that you could be looking at on the horizon, all these other mm. busy activities of the weekend. but we need to lift our eyes towards heaven, right? We need to mm-hmm. move from the horizontal back to the um the vertical. And this ties in again with like leisure right? And what we're doing on the weekends. And we're going to talk about Joseph Pieper. You can't talk about leisure without talking about him. No. <laughs> we did our whole episode like quoting him um, on our leisure episode. So he wrote a book in 1947 called Leisure as the Basis of Culture. And he talks about leisure as a different kind of rest, a space for true humanity. And that's the Pope was talking about that too. And, mm-hmm. and the proper order of rest and work. Now, what's really important is um, he was writing this in the aftermath of World War II. He was in Germany. And you can just imagine, we know, we've seen the footage of what Germany and Europe looked like, right? Rubble mm. everywhere. People literally having to work around the clock to get clean water and food and people taking care of and injuries and homes rebuilt for children. Like, it was it was nonstop working. So for him to come out with a book about leisure in the Literal aftermath (laughs) of World War II in Europe would be people were probably like, what are you talking about? But he Mm -hmm. was concerned that Europe would only focus on rebuilding the buildings, okay, bringing back Mm -hmm. the city, but a city without a soul. He wanted to build a culture back that wasn't a culture of death again. Culture of death, I mean, that's Catholic language Mm -hmm. right there. And Mm -hmm. his answer was leisure. Right, space for people, space for God, space for the transcendent. Transcendent is that word for going beyond the horizon, for lifting our hearts and our gaze towards the heavens. So the mm-hmm. question that people asks is, what is the next Europe? You know, this is what he asked in the book. What is the next Europe? We have this chance to rebuild this right now. So what do we want it to look like? And then I think our question, like that you and I are asking ourselves, is like, mm-hmm. what is the post-pandemic world? We're also in ruins in some ways. Everything has been almost reduced to rubble and Mm -hmm. not in the same way, but so much in our everyday lives. So we have this incredible chance to rebuild right now. And you and I would strongly suggest that
0: starting with Sundays is a great place to start. Hmm. Yeah. On that note, it is interesting you mentioned that because in our town there were some businesses who, yeah, during lockdowns and pandemics were closed, and when they reopened, they modified their business schedules, mm-hmm. and now they are no longer open on Sundays. Oh, that's amazing. And- Right? I know. That is like an actual, yeah, as you just said that, that is an example of people who have done that and have rebuilt after the pandemic when there was that huge pause um, and decided to make a move on that idea. And you know what I find so
1: interesting about the businesses that I know locally that are closed on Sundays is they Mm -hmm. are the family run ones. They're not. And those are the ones who are taking a huge financial hit every time on a Sunday coming home from Mass. And this is something Jason and I are trying to work on is not grabbing any food or shopping on Sundays. But I'm always Mm -hmm. like, oh, let's go to the butcher. Like, let's get a really good fresh cut of meat. There is not a butcher open and we live in a pretty big region, right? Mm-hmm. That I can find on a Sunday open. And I'm, I'm always a little ticked off because I'm like, but I yeah. would go to your business today. <laughs> I would spend money there. And, but when I think about how these are small family run businesses more often than not that are choosing to stay closed, they're missing out on that chance to make money. And it's always the big faceless, nameless corporations that just stay open and have their employees working and, and I, it just it shocks me that it's these family businesses that seem to have more to lose that are willing mm-hmm. to close down on a sunday
0: yeah and they give it to what well, we presume we don't know these families personally but if they are christian it's something that they're doing and giving back to god mm-hmm. and that's remarkable in a culture like ours um one of the other neat
1: things about Leisure. And again, you guys can listen to our episode on that. Is we talk so much about how leisure isn't just like inactive rest, that it's about like Mm. learning a new skill or being creative about painting, about needlework, about doing something, playing an instrument. And um, there was another book written 40 years after the Joseph Pieper one, um, written by a Jewish man named George Steiner. And he wrote a critique of the modern West and its art. And he called it Real Presences, which was actually a play on. The Catholic Eucharist being the real presence. Um, Mm. And in it, he explained that literature, art, and music, that the greatest examples of these artworks is um, always done with a sense of the transcendent, right, throughout history, Mm. except for what's been done in the last 50, 60 years. That there's always this sense of something greater than ourselves, And then the second half of the century, there's an absence of God, right? We know this starting in literature and art and music. Um, Classical music, it's heard today more than any other time in history, right? You can Mm -hmm. hear it at any time, anywhere, but it's barely being created now. And then Dr. Tim Gray then said, we are spending the endowment from our ancestors, but we're not Mm. filling back up the vaults of creativity, so we'll talk more about worship on Sundays, but again, this idea of leisure, leisure, and being creative and creating things that are true, good, and be- good, and beautiful—this is what we should be doing on our Sundays.
0: Hmm. Yeah, like that recreative work. Yes. Right. That we yes. talk about what leisure is. Recreative. Um. Yeah, and even in our own daily lives, it requires activity. I think that's what we talk about, right? Like it's we're not talking slave labor that's the work we need to abstain from yes yes <laughs> but it's the kind of work that connects us back to either god and or each other um and even ourselves right so anything that takes you into a reflective kind of a state either a reflective uh like in terms of gardening say reconnecting yeah. with god through nature or whether it's singing With family and friends or playing music or indulging in music and marveling in God's creation of community and family um, and giving thanks to him for that. That kind of work will require activity, but it is restful and it is recreative in us.
1: Yes, he says, um, Dr. Tim Gray says, we are so busy. We're blind to beauty, deaf to beauty. Our busyness has hardened our hearts. It's funny that you mentioned gardening because he shares the story about Mm. his mother. And he talks about how she had this prized rose garden and she took care of it every day. But every evening, right right at dusk, she would go out and water the roses and she would contemplate their beauty. And she would say, yes, this is good, right? (laughs) Like God Mm, contemplating creation. So every night she'd go out and water them for like 20 minutes, a half hour, and just stare at their beauty. He said, now, if they had had a sprinkler system installed, it would do the work for her. And she wouldn't Mm. have that opportunity every night to contemplate the beauty. Um, And that's what our Sundays can be, right? Is we have to carve out this time. Um, Archbishop Gomez, I think it was, was talking about That the fact that we live in a digital space now, that the crowd Mm. is always with us, right? And this busyness Mm. again, that it's, it's always pressing in. It's always trying to come over those walls. And that this crowd causes us to disconnect from ourselves, like what you were just saying, our family, our friends, and God. And when we lose the creator, we lose the capacity to wonder at his creation. So all of that just ties back into this idea again of remembrance. I wasn't expecting that to be such an undercurrent yes. of this theme, but right from the Jews, right through till now, this idea of remembering um what he has done for us and this world and just taking in all of that and then wanting,
0: then being inspired by that to create new things, to create new beautiful things. I was just gonna say, like the forgetfulness kind of extends beyond forgetting God and our purpose and his purpose in creating us and all of those covenants that we talked about before, we even have forgetfulness of ourselves. Yeah. Because one of the things I was reflecting on too in regards to leisure and Sundays and all these kinds of things is one reason we may find it difficult to engage in leisure, uh, especially on Sundays, an entire day <laughs> set apart for leisure. Is because I don't know if we remember how to do a lot of those things. Yes, yeah. As a culture and as a community, and we do feel better with a routine. So, like even um, in Maria von Trapp's book, when she's talking about Sundays, she spells out in detail their Sunday routine. Um, it was different than the usual workday one, but there was a plan for the day and it included all of the leisure. And like, I think the young people danced in the meadows, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all those and the, the people made music in the afternoons, that type of thing. But all of what we do right now is so centered on work that when we're told don't work, We don't really know what to do. And so we kind of either resort into kind of like a sloth-like existence on Sundays, and that doesn't fill or refresh or feed us. Um, Or we just work (laughs) because that's what we know. So it it is an interesting concept that, you know, there may be more to keeping holy the Sabbath than we were initially aware of. It's like a rediscovering and a remembering not only of God and his truths, but also because we would remember that, we remember ourselves in the process.
1: Yes. Marie Von Trapp says like a day of rest, but it's become a rest stemming only from entertainment. Right. Like filling it with mm. those fun things. She says with zero spiritual effort. Right. So if we go back to that question about like how are they going to rebuild europe how are we going to rebuild this time right now mm. um it leads into this other question as how is the church going to be leaven in this secularist culture well what does that mm. mean <laughs> according mm. to the dictionary it means being a persuasive influence that moves the world in a good direction permeating something uh-uh, the culture uh-uh, and leaving it better <laughs> My goodness, what a call to action, right? So the church mm. is meant to always be a leaven, well, a, a leaven, like a leavening agent, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Something that causes bread to rise. <laughs> right. Um. right? Okay, so I think I think we get it. So again, Pope St. John Paul II in his letter, Dias Domine, and I just highly recommend reading the entire letter because I'm trying to like share bits of it, but I could just share the entire letter. It's so good. Um He said the rediscovery of this day is a grace, which we must implore not only so that we may live the demands of the faith to the full, but also so that we may respond concretely to the deepest human yearnings. Time given to Christ is never time lost, but it is rather time gained so that our relationships and indeed our whole life may become more profoundly human. Like, mm, whoa. oh my goodness, that harkens right back to the rabbi who called it a sanctuary in time that mm. we have this opportunity to like carve out and almost transform time. And I will share that when, when my family was being really serious about this a couple of years ago, we would bring certain examples to our priest and go, but we really need to get such and such a thing done. Like our homeschool room. I remember that being a specific example. When can't mm. we finish doing the painting and the decorating the homeschool room on a Sunday? And he's like, nope. Nope, you can't mm. you need to plan out your week better and have it done, and when you do that i i it, this taught me over and over and over again when we work harder during the week because we know we're carving out this sanctuary of time on a Sunday, time changes time mm-hmm. you somehow time changes it is it is truly otherworldly right It is a heavenly gift how time can be manipulated when you carve out this time on a Sunday.
0: Yeah, and that can be so hard to do. I mean, we all have so much that we'd like to get done, and mm-hmm. we have these this, you know, weekend <laughs> that is two days that most people will use both to their yeah. fullest extent and here we are being asked by God through the church to give up one of those days. Yeah. Right? Like it shouldn't seem like a tall order, but it's a tall order for us a lot of the time. But I know what you're saying and I know Um, the practice of giving God what little you have, he always gives you back more, the hundredfold, right? I I don't know why we need so much reminder and practice in this because he's always been faithful. There's never been like a, maybe sometimes he will, sometimes he won't (laughs) throughout the Bible, throughout history, always story after story of people giving what little tiny they have, even if it means they go without, Um, And God giving them back more than they could have ever even thought to ask for in the first place. And I think the saying that we use nowadays that time is money. Yeah. um, That kind of is our modern dilemma. Right. It's more like here is your currency. Your currency is time. Will you give what little time you feel like you have left? (laughs) Will you give it to God? And see what he does with it. And the faithful trust that you do with that is really beautiful. And so the one sermon I was listening to with Father Mike Schmitz. He was talking about um, a priest who was head of a seminary and much like you with the homeschool room, Mm -hmm. his students in the seminary would come to this priest and say like, but Sunday is when I study. Mm -hmm. Like Sunday is when I need to finish my papers and do all this work. And so his suggestion to them was to make a gift of Sunday in whatever way that they can to start somewhere. Right. If you can't do an entire day. Can you start somewhere? And he recommended, you know, maybe putting your books away at 4pm on Saturday night to prepare that whole evening for, for a rest. And you begin your rest, you wake up in the morning, you go to mass, perhaps you take brunch with a community of friends or your family. And then maybe after 1pm or 2pm on a Sunday, you could start with that gift to God. And I want to believe and i do believe that even if you're at a starting point with wanting to observe and recognize sunday we can begin um at some of those little stop points along the way and once again when we give our little bits to him he will expand them to be what his vision and will is ultimately yes god can't be outdone in generosity right? Mm -hmm. So
1: we give him a little bit. And then on top of this, we're not only suggesting that you don't do any work, right? You abstain from unnecessary labor on Sundays. The church also has made Sunday mass a a holy day of obligation every single Mm -hmm. Sunday. So we're like, okay, so not only can you not get your stuff done, but we're also going to need you to get up, get all your children ready and go to church. Like, whoa, that's a big ask, (laughs) it seems like in today's day and age. But Pope John Paul II talks so much about, there's a whole section on why, why we need to come together as community, why the church made it a day of obligation. It wasn't always a day of obligation. Like, it wasn't always Mm -hmm. under penalty of mortal sin to not attend mass. That actually is a relatively recent development in terms of, like, canon law. Um, But he talks about how everything belongs to God. He says, Speaking vividly as it does of renewal and detachment, this day of rest, the interruption of the often oppressive rhythm of work expresses the dependence of man and the cosmos upon God. Everything belongs to God. The Lord's day returns again and again every week to declare this principle within the weekly reckoning of time. Now, he says, therefore, I jump forward a little bit, but he goes like, therefore, it is important that people come together to express fully the very identity of the church, the ecclesia, the assembly called together by the risen Lord who offered his life to, quote, reunite the scattered children of God. That's from John, that they have become one in Christ. That's from Galatians through the gift of the spirit. This unity becomes visible when Christians gather together and then sharing in the Holy Eucharist. So he just goes on to say that, again, like mass is often a reminder of our baptismal vows. So he says, it is not enough that the disciples of Christ pray individually. Right? and commemorate the death and resurrection of Christ just inwardly in the secrecy of their hearts he says that we need to just get together of those as those who've received the grace of baptism and to be reminded that we're not saved as individuals alone but that we are members of the mystical body of Christ and that that is what we are doing
0: when we're at mass together yeah I love the coming back to this central purpose of on Sundays that we have to partake in the Eucharist. Yes. And Maria von Trapp talks about that in her book. We were talking about that, too, um, with the early Christians, how throughout the Roman Empire, not everywhere was Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't all even have that sense of Sabbath. Yes. The Jewish Sabbath. Right. And so for the early Christians throughout the Roman Empire, once it started spreading throughout the known world at the time what marked Sundays for the early Christians was the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. It was the day that they celebrated in particular the Eucharist. So I love that even from the beginning, from the early church, like 50 AD, <laughs> um, that was the central thing. And from the Eucharist, all else flows out from that.
1: And what is so fascinating about the Eucharist, Then there are countless things, but yeah. then this is just off the top of my head. But when we think about Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus, they don't know who he is. He's like yeah. preaching. He's pulling out all the information, like the best rabbi in the world um, from, you know, the Old Testament readings. And he's saying all these things and they're doing this long walk. It wasn't until... He broke the bread, and they got back, mm. and they recognized him as Jesus, as Lord, right? It was that yes. act. It is the Eucharist in which he is, what we believe, fully <gasps> present.
0: That they remember. Yes, that's when they realized no. who it is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, it's I love it. It's <laughs> not
1: just him quoting scripture and knowing, mm-hmm. you know, that those things inside and out. It's when he broke the bread. And then that is what happened every Sunday. Every Sunday afterwards is the Eucharist. Now, Pope John Paul II says, Sharing in the Eucharist is the heart of Sunday. But the duty to keep Sunday holy cannot be reduced to this. In fact, the Lord's day is lived well if it is marked from beginning to end by grateful and active remembrance of God's saving work. This commits each of Christ's disciples to shape the other moments of the day, those outside of the liturgical context family life, social relationships, moments of relaxation in such a way that the peace and joy of the risen Lord will emerge in the ordinary events of life. For example, the relaxed gathering of parents and children can be an opportunity not only to listen to one another, but also share a few formative and more reflective moments. He goes on a little bit later to say, if Sunday is a day of joy, and he talks so much about joy in this too, Mm. that I'm not even getting into again, like this Christian idea of joy. But he says, if Sunday is a day of joy, Christians should declare by their actual behavior that we cannot be happy on our own. They look around to find people who may need their help. It may be that in their neighborhood or among those they know there are sick people, elderly people, children or immigrants who precisely on Sundays feel more keenly their isolation, their needs, their suffering. Um, So the Pope goes on to just say that living in this way, not only the Sunday Eucharist, but the whole of the Sunday becomes the great school of charity, justice Mm. and peace. Oh, again, let me just repeat that. Sunday becomes the great school of charity, justice, and peace. The presence of the risen Lord in the midst of his people becomes an undertaking of solidarity, a compelling force for inner renewal and inspiration to change the structures of sin in which individuals, communities, and at times entire peoples are entangled. Far from being an escape, the Christian Sunday is a prophecy inscribed on time itself, a prophecy obliging the faithful to follow in the footsteps of the one who came to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to captives and new sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's from Luke. It outlines exactly what Sundays are supposed to be. And Mm -hmm. in the Sunday commemoration of Easter, believers learn from Christ and remember his promise. I leave you peace, my peace I give you, which is from John. That's said at Mass, right? Like that just mm-hmm. brought tears to my eyes. And then we, as the people who are leaving church, we become, in their turn, in our turn, builders of peace. I leave you peace, my peace I give you.
0: Mm. Oh, my goodness. So it is, um, like Rabbi Heschel was talking about, the Sabbath, the presence of eternity in time. Mm-hmm. You were talking sanctuary about sanctuary time. Yep. Yeah. The yes, and this idea. Um, I was listening to that through a sermon from then Father Barron. Yep. but yep. now It's Bishop Barron, and he was taking that and he was explaining that eternity doesn't mean endless time. It means transcends time, mm. right? And so, in the context of the Sabbath, everything you're describing sounds like heaven. Yes. Sunday is heaven on earth (laughs) yeah it transcends our concept of time it transcends time and that that heaven on earth is what we are invited to on sunday yes that's 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 the mass that's the covenant yes and that's the invitation that we're being offered every single week is do you want to live in heaven for a day yeah like this is how it's done this is how you get there and just
1: again (laughs) it's <laughs> just gonna keep going back and back and back to this apostolic letter written by him because again, it's just so good. But the um Pope St. John Paul II says through Sunday rest, daily concerns and tasks can find their proper perspective. The material things about which we worry give way to spiritual values. In a moment of encounter and less pressured exchange, we see the true face of the people with whom we live. Even the beauties of nature, too often marred by the desire to exploit, which turns against man himself, can be rediscovered and enjoyed to the full. As the day on which man is at peace with God, with himself, and with others, Sunday becomes a moment when people can look anew upon the wonders of nature, allowing themselves to be caught up in that marvelous and mysterious harmony. And just to continue on, because I can't stop, because it's all so good. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just I can't. Um, He says, It is with this strong conviction of faith and with awareness of the heritage of human values, Which the observance of Sunday entails that Christians today must face the enticements of a culture which has accepted the benefits of rest and free time, but which often uses them frivolously and is at times attracted by morally questionable forms of entertainment. We've done an episode or two on that, Michelle. (laughs) Certainly, Christians are no different from other people in enjoying the weekly day of rest. But at the same time, they are keenly aware of the uniqueness and the originality of Sunday the day on which they are called to celebrate their salvation and the salvation
0: of all humanity. Mm. Wow. It just sums it up so much. And I love that there is actually no specific rubric on what you need to do besides going to mass. Yes. The church leaves the other 23 hours of Sunday open for you. That's right. Because I think that there is like, my mind is already going to that's the litmus test for what, you choose to do and consume or engage in on a sunday uh, are all those things that he outlines in this letter and i find it really inspiring is what i'm going to say so sometimes i think um keep holy the sabbath it can be used um in our modern sensibilities as a drag yeah, <laughs> as yeah. a pit against christianity why you wouldn't want to you know um Cleave yourself to this religious observance. But what we're seeing is that it is so much more than what the world could ever offer to us. And it's right there. It's for public use. Like the church wants all peoples to be able to access the promises that are given to us, gifted to us on a Sunday.
1: Yes. And that's this is actually leads it perfectly into this point that Dr. Tim Gray talked about as well, that we can convert. People, I guess, based on theology, based on all these like things, right? To the church. Mm -hmm. But what people want is a culture. Like this is a Mm. this, these are the building blocks, he called it. The building blocks to create a culture. This is what's so revolutionary against what the rest of the world is offering right now. Is that we're like, no, you get this one day to step away Mm -hmm. from all of that, from the rat race and all that. And and you and I first want to do this episode and and really share like the ways we're trying to do that. But what we're finding, Mm -hmm. I think as we're talking, right, is -hmm. that we don't need to share that, that it's so it's going to be on your own hearts as you're listening about what you want to do with your families. The only thing that I think is important to discuss. And the one thing my family is going to start to do again is, is just again, really reflecting on the modern dangers of technology, right? The world Mm -hmm. is right there. It is climbing over that wall that we talked about. And so we kind of do. Well, not kind of. We do. We need a Sabbath rest from technology. And um, it's funny because Have you ever seen Real Simple Magazine, that beautiful magazine that's out there? Big. Mm, Okay. They had once asked what people do on Sundays. And I answered on social media that we don't use our screens and we don't use technology, which was true for my family for a long time. And they published Mm -hmm. my answer. It's in Real Simple Magazine. They thought that that was so outstanding out of the, you know, thousands and thousands of answers they got that they published that. And I'm like, wow. How did I let that go? How did my family get out of that mm. habit? And the thing Dr. Tim Gray says is the key to living Sunday rest is habit and a ritual, right? And those mm. are the parts of building a culture, the building blocks of yes. culture. so um that this is just I'm walking away from this going as a habit and a ritual. The one thing my family is going to do is we are going to really put down our screens on Sundays.
0: Mhm. Yeah. I love that. I will, we will also have to work on that as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that's good too, because it kind of leads into what I think I'm taking away from this conversation too, is that renewed connectiveness of Sunday,
1: connectiveness
0: to God, connectiveness to other people. And that's really hard, if not impossible to do with screens and social media to be able to put that down and look up. And I think, I would love to start fostering an awareness of other Mm -hmm. (laughs) on a Sunday, like to go beyond me. Yes. Like I think I can, I I can rest on Sundays, but that, um, and this is once more from Father Mike Schmitz. You did a lot of JP2 quoting (laughs) today. Yes, I did. (laughs) I'm doing a lot of Father Mike Schmitz quoting today. (laughs) Um, But he was talking about how the law of charity and love trumps the law of rest. Yeah. In some cases. So I'm like, okay, yes. 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 So I can rest. um, But I am so interested now to reflect on, but does, does my rest still include others. Um, All the way from considering like, am I consuming or engaging in things that are going to force other people to have to work that day? Like which we were talking about before. Um, Maybe we can modify some aspects of our Sundays in that regard. Um, All the way to um, putting down phones, like what you were just saying, and looking at one another. And then engaging in our community and worship at Mass, like really recognizing the day as a day to remember what God has done for us, for all of us together. Yes, and just... Pope John
1: Paul again he said that um, he's, he talks about as a family kind of like preparing for mass right really knowing those mm. readings he says if Christian individuals and families are not regularly drawing new life from the reading of the sacred text in the spirit of prayer and docility to the church's interpretation then it is difficult for the liturgical proclamation of the word of God alone to produce the fruit we might expect so what he's saying in mm. that is that we aren't going over the readings within our own families as well on Sundays and having a conversation we can't expect the church will just always produce all those fruits. We can't just go, here you go, mass, that one hour a day, um, mm. transform my family. So There were some other excellent things that Maria Von Trapp talks about in her book that, again, we highly recommend around the year with the Von Trapp family because she talks about Fayao event. I'm probably butchering that again. But you and I talked so much about that in our episode on leisure um, that people can go back and listen to. And again, if you want more of our like concrete tips on what you can do, that episode really covers that. Um, Mm. But she, again, just like what you're saying, it's about others as well. And they visit a cemetery, right? on their walk home from mass and just check on the graves and clean them up or lay some flowers down she said that in this way they're talking about visiting their family beyond the grave Um, and then Mm. yeah about little acts of charity for people in the community but they start on Saturday night which is 5 (laughs) firebend which really ties in again what the pope was saying about how you prepare your family she prepared her family the night before with the readings which is Mm -hmm. again something my family used to do that we're not Mm -hmm. doing now um but they get all the cooking the cleaning the baths all of that done saturday so that as soon as saturday evening progresses they are getting their hearts minds and bodies ready for mass the next day um so that that part is taken care of and then they they enjoy their the rest of their Sunday. Just family time, right? Taking care Mm. of the community and being with their family.
0: So there has been so much in this episode in terms of invitation to rediscover uh, Sunday and why it's so important that we remember this day that I think we should just continue on our trajectory (laughs) and close with John Paul II Mm -hmm. (laughs) and his letter with this Final quote that really sums up, and this is from that document that you've been referring to, Lindsay, this whole time. What is it? Deus Domine, right? Yeah, the day of the Lord. Yep. Yes. So he says, quote, It is a call to awaken remembrance of the grand and fundamental work of God, which is creation, a remembrance which must inspire the entire religious life of man and then fill the day on which man is called to rest. Rest, therefore, acquires a sacred value. The faithful are called to rest, not only as God rested, but to rest in the Lord, bringing the entire creation to him in praise and thanksgiving, intimate as a child and friendly as a spouse. Blessed be he who has raised the great day of Sunday above all other days. The heavens and the earth, angels and of men give themselves over to joy. This cry of the Maronite liturgy captures well the intense acclamations of joy which have always characterized Sunday in the liturgy of both East and West. Moreover, historically, even before it was seen as a day of rest, which in any case was not provided for in the civil calendar, Christians celebrated the weekly day of the risen Lord primarily as a day of joy. In the Christian view, joy is much more enduring and consoling, as the saints attest, It can hold firm even in the dark night of suffering. It is, in a certain sense, a virtue to be nurtured. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? Well, you and I were talking about this before we started recording because we're, it's
1: Lent, right? So we're both yeah. <laughs> not we're as consuming <laughs> yeah, as many exciting things. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Scott Hahn. I keep joking. It's my Scott mm. Hahn Lent. where He's got yeah. enough out there that I can <laughs> be my entire Lent. Uh, and a lot of Pints with Aquinas. Um, and of course, I highly recommend both. So that's just a little bonus. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But then I remembered I did go somewhere um, uh, within the last week that I've almost forgotten about. Jason took me as you know Michelle to the to <gasps> Toronto to yes. see the Canadian Opera Company's performance of Richard Strauss's 1905 opera Salome and mm. I don't know quite I haven't <laughs> said anything about it yet because <laughs> I while I okay I guess the best way to say it is I loved the experience okay as a whole yes Mm -hmm. The performance in detail, um, there are parts of it I really enjoyed. There are parts of it I didn't enjoy as much. But, and I won't get into all of that detail right now because this isn't like a critical review of the opera. (laughs) But my point here is that I loved the experience. It was so nice getting dressed up and doing the long drive into the city and going with Jason to a really nice dinner ahead of time. The building that the Canadian Opera Company uses is a brand new theater facility in downtown Toronto that's absolutely stunning. It's very modern. It won all these awards. So being in that that building, um, Mm. right? And then everybody in Toronto dresses up for the opera more than they do here in our town. Mm. And um, so the whole experience experience start to finish was just something I absolutely loved. So I I think I said it in an earlier episode this year, but I'll say it again. If you can, if you can just make it work with your budget and your time and babysitters to go ahead and book tickets for something for years, I didn't either. Right. I just was like, no, Mm -hmm. we can't, we can't, but now I'm clicking. Yep. Yes, we can. We'll figure it out somehow. Just get the tickets, (laughs) just get them, um, do it because it's so much more than just the show it is a whole event it is daytime it is time carved out for leisure Mm -hmm. for rest for something that is true good and beautiful and it
0: was a wonderful evening so go to the opera i love it i i would love to go to the opera even just to say i'm going to the opera would be part of the experience yes but i i do love that what you're describing is culture yeah. you're engaging in culture right and uh, just to briefly bring it back to our episode yes. when you're talking about the quote um i think it was tim gray who's like we're basically spending our our ancestors yes our endowment to to that yes yes, yes. Endowment ancestors. yes. Yeah. but we're not refilling the coffers and i think one step towards that recreation yeah. and rediscovering ourselves is to actually be familiar with <laughs> the endowments of our ancestors. Yes. So that is that is awesome. It sounds like an amazing time. And what have you been loving this week, Michelle? So for mine, Lindsay, I can't remember if you actually officially did this already in <laughs> what you're loving this week pick. I know you have loved it though. <laughs> um, but I have finally watched uh, the Bells of St. Mary's. Ah, yes. Yes. And then around Christmas time, we watched Going My Way, which is like the the prequel of The Bells of St. Mary's. Right. So this is the movie starring Bing Crosby and Ingrid Bergman. And I just loved it. Um, It does kind of go with Going My Way. So it's kind of like a two for one. I guess I'm going to lump them together here. Mm -hmm. But both of the movies follow the story of A young, easygoing priest, Father O'Malley, Mm -hmm. Bing Crosby, um, first in going my way, he goes to a church called St. Dominic's. It's in Manhattan, and he helps smooth out some of the problems that are facing that parish. But in the Bells of St. Mary's, Father O'Malley now arrives at St. Mary's, which is an inner city school run by nuns. And he immediately butts heads with the headmistress, Sister Benedict. This is Ingrid Bergman's character. Mm -hmm. On a number of things, not the least of which is what to do with the actual school itself, because the building is really deteriorating and it's falling into disrepair. But through their interactions with the students, their families, and with one another in this community of sisters, both Father O'Malley and Sister Benedict are changed. And the Christmas play scene will go down as one of my favorite (laughs) and most heartwarming scenes ever. So, you know, all this to say, I I have been noticing for the last few years, um, it's, there's been a very clear sense of searching for more forms of entertainment like this in movies in particular that have good cheer, um, peace, encouragement. Um, it also doesn't necessarily have to be lighthearted in genre per se, um, but films and movies that have that bolstering and encouraging effect. And I felt like these movies, The Bells of St. Mary's especially, have really fit into that category. So if you are looking to fill your life with this kind of entertainment too, I highly recommend watching both Going My Way and The Bells of St. Mary's. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week, and if you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening, have a great week, and we will see you next time.